SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. He's got you covered. The Knicks are a very difficult team for me to put my money on <laughs> right now. We've seen a lot of bad Knicks showing, and of course, uh, Derek Rose not coming back makes it even worse for New York. At no point in his career, not in college, in Kansas, not at any point in Philadelphia, has he played with a guy like Harden, who is every bit as ball dominant as he is. On the Sports Grid Radio Network, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Hey, welcome to the program. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, channel 159, the Sports Grid, a radio network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to hang out with Rob Vino at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. And Rob is going to help us break down what just happened in the NFL this week. And we'll do some college hoops discussion as well. The NFL, look, the NFL is always king. Okay, even in the middle of March Madness, even in the middle of the NBA playoffs, even when the MLB strike gets settled, NFL news is always going to be on center stage. And of course, here on Cover It with Teddy Covers, I do my best to bring you guys football coverage year-round. So we're going to talk about all the big free agent moves and free agent signings and all that with Rob Vino. And again, we are going to bring up What's going on in college hoops? We'll do our best for college hoops discussion on a day where we don't even know who's going to be playing the next day. So we'll do the best we can in that regard with Rob Vino. But I got to start about this quarterback carousel. And really, it starts for me last year. Because I gave all these guys a pass, all right? Baker Mayfield, yeah, sure, let's give him a shot. Sam Darnold. Carolina, yeah, yeah, he's got a chance. Carson Wentz in Indy, sure. Drew Locke in Denver and or Teddy Bridgewater in Denver. Yeah, they got a chance. Tua in Miami. Daniel Jones uh, for the Giants. Jared Goff for the Lions. I gave each and every one of those quarterbacks kind of a pass going into last season, saying, sure, there's hope. There's a chance. There's a maybe. And out of that group coming into this year, the maybe list is pretty much down to three. You know, Tua maybe, Daniel Jones maybe, Baker maybe. Sam Darnold, not so much. (laughs) Carson Wentz, not so much. Drew Locke, not so much. Jared Goff, uh, not so much. And of course, you know, now that we've seen the first dominoes fall, and of course, what's happened in the betting markets? You know, Aaron Rodgers goes back to Green Bay. Boom. All of a sudden, whatever bargains you were thinking about for the Packers are gone in the betting marketplace. Betting markets react very quickly to news about someone like Aaron Rodgers, an MVP candidate every year that he plays. And even though we signed a deal that he's likely not to finish before he retires, bottom line, he's staying in Green Bay. Packers' odds get shorter. And then you had Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. And certainly... You know, the Broncos were a team that were supposed to be in the Aaron Rodgers equation. So as soon as Rodgers is re-signed, next thing you know, they're trading away a whole bunch of picks to get Russell Wilson. Now, regardless of what you think of the deal, 
All right, this is a Denver team that's used this strategy before with Peyton Manning to win a Super Bowl title, getting an older QB at a relative bargain price later in his career with a roster that appears to be loaded. And look, Denver had a loaded roster last year. They weren't healthy, but the roster was loaded. The quarterback play was dismal. Uh, and uh, hence the, uh, yeah, I gave the benefit of the doubt to Drew Locke. That ain't happening this year. <laughs> uh, so the Broncos' odds plummet, the Seahawks' odds. You know, and Seattle officially in rebuilding mode. You, you know, you cut Wagner, uh, you trade Wilson uh, for a bunch of draft choices. You know what the future is, at least in the short term, for Seattle. And frankly, if I'm the Seahawks, well, what Pete Carroll did there and what the Seahawks organization did there makes perfect sense. It really does, all right? When you look at the next year or two, all right, uh, in the NFL, all right, um, West, in the NFC West in, in particular. You know, uh, we're talking about San Fran right now playing for championships. L.A., the defending champs, and the Arizona Cardinals building to win right now. So if you're the fourth team in that division, the last place team from last year, yeah, it makes perfect sense to say, let's build for two or three or four years from now, and we'll tank today will accumulate some draft choices. So in terms of, like, did the Seahawks make the right move? I thought they did. Did they get enough? That's another question entirely. I thought they got plenty. Other people didn't think that was necessarily the case. But Seattle, clearly the last place team in that division. Denver's odds go through the roof. Green Bay's odds go through the roof. And, of course, the Steelers were the other team that people were talking about in the mix of, well, if they only had a quarterback, Pittsburgh might be a contender next year. So who's left? You know, Deshaun Watson, who was an A-plus level QB, if his legal problems don't hang over him, which they may do for quite some time. Jameis Winston, certainly, uh, when you look at, uh, you know, I saw something from an odds maker talk about how Winston, the difference between Winston and Taysom Hill at QB was worth about three wins uh, for the Saints next season. Marcus Mariota, that's not an attractive choice. Mitchell Trubisky being the guy. That's not an attractive choice. Jimmy G, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr still uh, in the trading block, potentially. Bottom line is, there aren't that many great starting quarterbacks in the NFL. When you find one, you better hold on to them for a long, long time. Rob Vino coming up when coverage continues. We'll talk NFL, we'll talk college hoops. Stay tuned right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159, The Sports Grid. A radio network, and I'm excited to bring in our next guest, our guest for today, our next guest, our only guest. That would be Rob Vino at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. Rob, welcome to Cover It with Teddy Cover. Hey, Teddy, glad to be here with you today. Uh, pleasure's all mine, man. Now, so this is an awkward show. All right, there's no question about it because <laughs> you know we'll record early. Uh, we have to talk college hoops. 
for a show that doesn't air until tonight and tomorrow. And we don't 100% know who's going to be playing yet. So as the games go final, <laughs> we're going to start talking about the teams that are surviving and advancing. But I want to start talking about some NFL. Look, the NFL is king. Uh, all right. And there's nothing that attracts more betting attention. There's nothing that attracts more media attention. The fact that the NFL moves on a huge, very busy week. Look, it's conference tournaments and college hoops. The NBA playoff stretches down the road. We had huge marquee matchups all week in the NBA. We've got the MLB strike getting settled or lockout getting settled. And yet, you look at the headlines every day, it's football, football, football. NFL, 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 which speaks volumes about how big and important this league actually is. And, you know, I don't mind talking football year-round on this show because certainly... Everything that's going on now are most assuredly going to be affecting the future market and the over-under win totals and all the type of stuff we'll be talking about uh, in the coming weeks. So let's start talking about some of these moves. And I want to start with Carson Wentz to Washington. The thing that cracked me up the most about the uh, commanders getting uh, Carson Wentz was their future book odds, which either stayed the same or got worse once Wentz arrived. And I was the guy that gave Carson Wentz the benefit of the doubt last year. I'm like, look, he was the number two overall draft choice. Before he got hurt as a rookie, he was taking his team to the Super Bowl. This guy's, you know, there's hope for Carson Wentz. And then Frank Reich got him. And then Frank Reich gave up on him after he was god-awful for extended stretches of last season. What does Wentz to Washington do in terms of moving the needle for the commanders? Make them any better to solve their QB problem? Or are the quarterback options right now, the Mitch Trubisky's of the world, you know, uh, any team that grabs anyone likely to be in trouble, especially in a year where there's not a deep draft of incoming quarterbacks? Carson Wentz to Washington. Good move for the commanders or bad? I don't know. I mean, can you call it stopgap, Teddy? I don't know that it's it's certainly not good as far as improvement is concerned. And I don't know that it's bad as in it makes them worse than what they were already at that position. So, and like you say, it's just probably not a needle mover whatsoever. I think that if they have faith in somebody in this draft, maybe that move isn't made, but it looks to me like maybe it's a one-year fill-in for something down the road. Uh, Washington will have to compete in other aspects of offensive football, namely the running game and on the defensive side of the ball. And you can win like that if you don't put Wentz in pressure situations. However, you and I both know that as you watch football every single Sunday, it seems like these games come down to the final three minutes quite often. And Carson Wentz to end the season especially was just horrendous with decision-making in games that were winnable and in even one case, one that was not losable, but he found a way to lose. So um, I don't know that it moves anything either way. It doesn't affect the way I'm going to bet um, the futures board with the road with the commanders. Well, look, last year Indy had an elite offensive line, an elite running game, and a pretty darn good defense. Okay, and they finished nine and eight <laughs> out of the postseason. And there's only one guy I'm pointing a finger at. You know, I, admittedly, it wasn't like they were loaded with uh, elite receivers. But it didn't matter. Carson Wentz didn't get anybody the ball on time. And I was trying to root for the guy. That's why I think I'm so frustrated because last year at this time, I'm like, yeah, Wentz and Indy, love it. You know, and Wentz and Indy was pretty awful. Um, start to finish. And he had everything 
in his favor, being that you know a defense that wasn't going to uh, force him to come from behind in every game, and a running game that can take the pressure off him, an offensive line that can protect him, and even with those factors, Carson Wentz was well below average. Looking at that NFC East, I see every team in that division is better than the Commanders. I think they're the last place team in that division. Agree or disagree? Um. And free agency starts in a few days. Let's see. Uh, let's see who gets picked up and who doesn't. Because we know in the NFL, I think as much as any league, Teddy, maybe more, um, worst to first happens at least in one division every single year. And I'm not saying that Washington would come in first, but I'd like to see who they intend on picking up. I mean, we're not in those rooms. We don't know what the plan of attack is for the Washington team as far as personnel is concerned. But um you, you talked about when you started this little segment here about how NFL is king, even with everything else that's going on. And next week we're going to be in the middle of March Madness and with free agency opening up in the NFL, I'm sure that'll uh, dominate some headlines. Well, let's see who Washington gets before I fully commit. But I'm with you. The Wentz move just at the quarterback position for one, you know, it didn't make them any better. There's no upgrade there. So where does that leave Andy now? Okay, this is a Colts team again. The offensive line's there. The running game's there. The defense is there. But now it's going to be their fifth starting quarterback in the last five years. Uh, Indy can't seem to get this position right. If you're the GM of the Colts, what do you do with the quarterback position? Wow, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one because there's nobody on the free agent market unless Somehow, some way, they can get their hands on Kirk Cousins. I don't know that there's a quarterback out there in free agency with a team that's built to win now, as you described. You described the defense ready to go, the running game ready to go. Um, Michael Pittman Jr. certainly leading a receiving core that I think, if they add one more piece, is ready to go. And you have to have a quarterback that can operate this uh machine. And, boy, I don't, there's nobody in the draft that's going to do it for you. And aside from Cousins, I'm trying to think really fast off the top of my head what will be available. I mean, the Deshaun. Hey, I, got, I, got, I got a whole list for you, dude. Deshaun Watson, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, Jimmy Garoppolo. In theory, Cousins or, or Carr uh, are, the, uh, are, are the big names that are still unsigned. Well, let's, I, I, I have a little more faith than most in Jameis Winston, if that was an answer. Um, I, I would think that that is an improvement, but I still think that Cousins, because of the accuracy um, on a week-to-week basis and with what Frank Reich wants to do, I think he would be the best answer. But Winston wouldn't bother me at all. Um, I I would probably try that route. Yeah, and again, when you're talking about teams that need quarterbacks, no shortage. Panthers need a QB. Colts need a QB. Steelers need a QB. Bucks need a QB right now. (laughs) All right, even after all the moves uh, that we've already seen. Um... So, when you look at Wentz to Washington, we look at the QB question in Indy. That makes it obviously future betting uh, for the Colts very difficult right now. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. Well, no, let's, let's save Wilson for after the break. Let's talk Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay real quick. we got about uh, a minute before the break, uh, Robin. Okay. Uh, this wasn't a, a huge surprise necessarily, but it certainly keeps the Packers in win-now mode as opposed to rebuilding mode. Definitely. I don't know that, again, this is a team that had everything in the palm of their hand 
last year, Teddy, the home playoff game, the number one seed, the whole works, an offense coming in that can't really move the football, and they couldn't get the job done. So I don't know that I see them as a clear-cut favorite, like I hear some talking about now, but certainly Aaron Rodgers and you know Devontae Adams at wide receiver, they've got every piece back, and they can make another run at it. So, yeah, Green Bay stays relevant with that move. Um, it's much better than the option, which would have been Aaron Rodgers leaves, and you get Jordan Love in his rookie season. Um, I, I think that that's probably fair to say that Green Bay is, you know, a contender in the NFC East, although I don't think they're the clear-cut favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the NFC North, you know, behind them you have Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit. Um, <laughs> the Packers will be prohibitive favorites once again to win that division. We're going to talk Russell Wilson. We're going to talk Khalil Mack. So much more with Rob Vino coming up after the break when coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. How do you get that? It's real simple. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV. You'll see clips, breaking news updates, and pretty much everything else. Again, at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. We finally got to 50,000 followers. Thank you so much for those of you who clicked that follow button. I appreciate it very much. It's very flattering that there's 50,000 people out there that give two hoots about what I have to say on Twitter. And of course, you can follow Today's guest, Rob Vino on Twitter, at Rob Vino Sports. That's V-E-N-O, Rob Vino Sports. And Rob, before the break, we were talking NFL and the quarterback carousel right now. And, of course, my producer, Andrew, just came in and said, did you see what just happened on Twitter? We have breaking news with Deshaun Watson, who is not going to face any criminal charges. He will still face whatever civil charges. They can still sue him, but he's not going to jail for whatever happened uh, in Houston. So how does this affect things moving forward? Deshaun Watson is the one QB still standing who can move the needle somewhere. But if you're the Texans, do you give him up? What do you do? Uh, how, How do you see this Deshaun Watson situation playing out? And even given the fact that he's not going to face criminal charges in a world where PR matters, does Sean Watson pass the PR test for any NFL general manager? Well, a couple of reports this morning, Teddy, that were, um, and obviously nothing is written in stone, but that were somewhat convincing that Deshaun Watson, by the time the season kicks off, is going to find his way to Seattle. Um, which would make it interesting. You wonder why Seattle traded Russell Wilson, and maybe there was something in the works all along between Seattle and Houston. So I think that's a possibility, certainly at this point in time. And it, you know, if you want to guess, then it's a good time to get to the future board with Seattle because obviously after the Russell Wilson trade, their odds get much higher. And if Deshaun Watson at some point in time is to be announced, 
as a trade to the Seattle Seahawks, those odds go back down. So if you want to play some guesswork, you can go grab Seattle at the better price now and hope that, that the reports that we're seeing today are somewhat true. Um, if I'm Houston, it, you know, maybe you have to give them up at this point, um, but you don't do it without the proper return. Otherwise, you keep them. Uh, he's going to try his best to force his way out, so I think he will end up being dealt. But um, if you're Houston, boy, you can't. And I know that if he's forcing his way out, your leverage uh, suffers a little bit. But I don't think you can just settle for anything. We just saw what Seattle got for Russell Wilson. Certainly a big asking price for Deshaun Watson is in the making. He's a difference maker. He is the difference maker of all the quarterbacks that might be on the open market here this offseason. And could certainly change the fortunes of the Seahawks. Again, a team that's not in bad shape at this point in time, but at the quarterback position, uh, if you're going to go with Drew Locke, that's a big difference than Deshaun Watson. Sure. I was thinking that Seattle more likely to go with the rookie route like they did when uh, they got Russell Wilson. In fact, at the top of the show, I talked about how smart it was for Seattle to dump their QB and to tank this year because every other Mm -hmm. team in that division right now is capable of winning a Super Bowl, and they're not. Uh, And if they, they start the rebuilding process here, in two or three years, when those other teams have peaked and are on the other side, uh, it'll be Seattle uh, that's in position to make a run. So be very interesting to see if they go for Watson. In my mind, you know, Pittsburgh, it makes sense for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, it makes sense for Deshaun Watson. Indy, it makes sense for Deshaun Watson. Seattle's a last-place team even with Deshaun Watson. I'd be shocked uh, if they were giving up all the draft capital they just acquired uh, to pick up. Uh, I not that Deshaun Watson's not a superstar, but man, if you're the Texans, you can't let a QB force his way out. <laughs> you know, you just can't do that at Houston, can you? Deshaun Watson's a franchise player in theory. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the um, his statistics back that up already. What we've seen on the playing field backs that up. So, yeah, if you're Houston, I think you try every single thing possible. Lovey Smith has to. Um, do everything he can. The front office, I think, is where Watson's problem exists, and I don't know that they can patch things up with Deshaun Watson. It sort of lies on the head coach and the coaching staff and the personnel on the team um, to see if they can somehow convince him to come back. But, yeah, certainly you don't give up on him, Teddy, and I don't think that even if they trade him, I don't think it's giving up. I I just think that it's, you know, he doesn't want to be there, then – he doesn't want to be there. It's hard to have a guy running your team that just doesn't want to play for your franchise. So, um, we'll see. What's interesting about Seattle, real quick as well, with the move of Bobby Wagner, uh, all of a sudden they have an enormous amount of cap space. And it'll be interesting to see how active they are in free agency next week. A team that had no shot of signing anybody, all of a sudden with the move, moving of Russell Wilson and the moving of Bobby Wagner, they got space to operate here. So, um Seattle may catch up a little quicker than we think. So, during the Cold War era, it was, well, we're going to build 100 more missiles, and now they're going to build 100 more missiles, and then we're going to build 200 Mm -hmm. more missiles, and they're going to build 200 more missiles. Look at the AFC West right now. (laughs) You know, Russell Wilson moving to Denver. Khalil Mack uh, looks like he's going to the Chargers. The Chiefs are the perennial champs in that division, and then uh, the Raiders were a playoff team uh, last year. Let's start with Russell Wilson. Does he move the needle for the last-place Broncos, a team that a year ago, I bet them over their season win total, eight and a half, I had the Broncos over, 
didn't get there in extraordinarily frustrating fashion. Uh, and it was all quarterback play, you know, off the line playing quarterback play. The defense was there. It was another team that had weapons. They had a running game. Uh, but whether it was Bridgewater, who declined as the season progressed, or Drew Locke, uh, obviously Russell Wilson going to be an upgrade over those guys. Does this put Denver in the we can compete with the Chargers and the Chiefs category, or the Broncos still third fiddle in a two-team race? Oh, I think it puts them in the we can compete category for sure. Um, I, I think that a lot of the sensationalism that we've heard over the last few days since he was acquired by Denver is over the top, um, considering Denver instant Super Bowl, AFC winning type team. I'm not sure, but I think they're definitely in the conversation. Let's remember that last year they built a pretty good running game uh, with Javante Williams out of North Carolina and Melvin Gordon, the two-headed monster. They ran it really well. And I think what Denver did differently than what the Raiders and the Chargers did, Teddy, that might put them a little bit ahead, although this acquisition of Khalil Mack for L.A., the Chargers, certainly puts them right back in the conversation. But Denver built that defensive backfield. And I always thought if you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes, Let's go get four or five defensive backs that can all cover. And Denver went that route last year. In fact, Patrick Sertan was a very, very good rookie pick um, in that defensive backfield. So I think they're settled in that area a little better than the other two teams. Russell Wilson, though, a guy that can get these receivers, highly touted receivers, um, the football, huge difference. A guy who can make impromptu plays, huge difference. They just haven't had a guy that can do that. In quite some uh-huh. time, so yeah, I, I see him as uh, making them very competitive in the AFC, which is a competitive conference to begin with. Well, yeah, and, and the AFC West in particular is as brutal a division uh, as you're going to find in the league. It is worth noting that Denver's defense did do a fairly good job on Casey last year in the two meetings. They held the Chiefs to 50 uh, combined points, which isn't shutting them down, but it's not Patrick Mahomes going nuts and throwing TD mm-hmm. pass. Uh, after uh, TD pass. Now, the team, one of the teams that intrigues me is the Giants. All right. Daniel Jones coming back, one more try. And Jones was a guy who's like, look, if David Cutcliffe says this guy can play, he can play. Um, can he play? Is there hope for the Giants? It's so Football is such the ultimate team game, right, Teddy? If one piece doesn't work, none of the pieces work. And For Daniel Jones, it's not as if he's been thrown into the best environment. So I guess if you're, I don't want to call it excuse-making, but if you're looking for reasons why he hasn't succeeded yet, there's certainly enough to point to. Um, Saquon Barkley off the injury was not Saquon Barkley. The offensive line has been garbage. The wide receiving core was ravaged last year. The guy's been up against it, so I think it's fair to give him another shot. Um, with a full set of weapons and with a improved offensive line. And then let's see if we can judge him. I think he's got the raw talent. Um, but boy, oh boy, he's just forced into a bad situation more often than not. Maybe the Giants can correct that. I think it's more on the Giants personnel and scouting departments right now, how they draft, how they attack free agency. I think it's more on them to how Daniel Jones plays this year. But I would give him this shot. I certainly would. I think he's just had so much stacked against him that it's not fair to judge him quite yet. So we've got just about a minute before the break, Rob, and uh, I just want to ask you, is there any NFL team that stands out to you 
right now? As someone that really underachieved last year that you definitely want to be betting on this year, or someone that really overachieved last year that you're looking to bet against right from the get-go? And obviously, we haven't seen free agency. We haven't seen the draft. Just in general, uh, do you have a bet on or a bet against team that you're looking at right now? And again, we got a little bit of a short time before the break. Well, I think very quickly, Teddy, and I'll just talk where playoffs are concerned. I thought Tennessee underachieved mightily in the playoffs once they had everybody back. And that could be Ryan Tannehill, who they are choosing to go with. It may not be, but I would think that Tennessee has a legitimate shot at winning the AFC once again. I would probably, since we're short time, um, leave it with that. I think Tennessee is a team that I'm going to look toward next year to getting even better than they were this year. They did well with the injuries, but... They should have done better in the playoffs. College Hoops discussion with Rob Vino coming up next after this when Cover It continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We've been talking NFL with Rob Vino here on Cover It with Teddy Covers, but I'm not doing a full NFL show in the middle of conference tournament weekend. No way, no how. we got to talk at least some college hoops. And we do have some matchups already set for Saturday. I appreciate you so much, Rob, for taking time to do some research on some games that you might not have been looking to bet. For example... Maryland, Baltimore County, and Vermont. This is an early start on Saturday. 8 a.m. here on the left coast. And Vermont, they're not joking around with this point spread. 15 and a half total. Buck 42, Buck 43. We all remember Maryland, Baltimore County. And we all don't all remember. Uh, those who follow college basketball closely will remember forever what uh, Maryland, Baltimore County did, becoming the first number 16 seed to ever knock off a number one. And they did it in blowout fashion, beating up on Virginia by 20. Of course, the next year, the Cavs came back and won the national title. But UMBC still will go down in history as the only 16 seed to ever beat a one. That being said, their 15.5-point dogs to Vermont is the point spread warranted America East Conference Championship game. Well, I think if you go off-season history, Teddy, it's warranted. They played two games this year. Vermont won both. They won both rather easily, certainly by more than the 15-and-a-half asking price. They win by 17 at UMBC. They win by 27 at home in that game. Both games went pretty well over the total, um, and they both went over the asking price Um for Saturday's game, 142, the two games hit 155 and 145. Maryland-Baltimore County comes in red hot, five straight covers. Um, they've won every game straight up by seven or more, so certainly it's a good time of year, probably playing their best basketball at this point in time. But Vermont's been dominating that league all season long. I think, you know, if you're looking at the dog here, Teddy, there is one thing that stands out like a sore thumb, and that's the fact that UMBC shoots the three almost as well as anybody in the country. They're number seven in the nation in three-point field goal percentage. And it's maybe the only weakness of the Vermont team, their three-point defense. They rank number 239 nationally. So you have that matchup there. UMBC, when I was um, putting some notes together, they've shot 
39% or better from three in each of their last five games. So they're hot from beyond the arc. They're hot at covering spreads. They're getting a boatload of points, but they're running into the America East juggernaut. I think if I were to look at this one, the total looks inviting. 142 the number. As I mentioned, both games went over that number earlier this year. Vermont's the highest scoring team in this league by far. And UMBC has been really hot lately and can put up points as well. So probably look at a little over 142 in that game. And here's the question, Rob, because this is again, this is a conference I don't handicap. Um, do you know the team nicknames for Vermont and Maryland Baltimore County? I actually do. We know Maryland Baltimore County is the retrievers. That yep. was you know, as you mentioned, that big win. And Vermont, only because I grew up in Connecticut, is the Catamounts. Very good. Look at that guy. He got them all. This game will be played on the Catamounts' home floor. Again, that's America East Championship game. Early start action today on Saturday. That's not the only early start action we're going to talk about. Uh, let's go. Let's go to the Big Ten and talk about Indiana and Iowa in the semifinal game. The early numbers have Iowa minus five, minus six, total buck forty-four and a half, buck forty-five. Uh, cashed with the Hawkeyes against Northwestern. I cashed with the Hawkeyes against Rutgers. Should I bet Iowa? One more time, or should I just take my profits and stuck them in, stuff them way down in my pocket and leave it alone, uh, not risk it uh, back on the Hawkeyes? I has been a very good team for me and my clients down the stretch. What do we do with Iowa versus Indiana? First thoughts. Yeah, if you've been playing them, Teddy, you've been cashing. I mean, they're eight and two against the spread in the last ten, and generally speaking, we expect Fran McCaffrey's team. Um, so offensive heavy at some point to just, you know, pull in Iowa and lose as a favorite. But I don't know that that's the case right now with what we're seeing. They're just phenomenal at this point in time. I thought maybe, just maybe Rutgers, Rutgers could slow the game down enough to where it could be competitive, but they got behind early. They couldn't slow Iowa down. Then they had to get put into chase mode. And the game became an Iowa game, and Iowa wins going away. And maybe that same thing happens to Indiana tomorrow, which has shown a ton of heart trying to claw their way into the tourney. The big comeback in game one. Then they go out and win again today against Illinois, the number one seed. But two draining wins, and now asking them for a third against a team that's cruised through their first two. It's just not a good situational spot to me for Indiana. Maybe they've done enough with the two wins to get the committee to put them in. You hate to leave it in the hands of the committee, so I'm sure Indiana will come with energy and focus. But um, I'm not standing in front of Iowa right now, not at all. They played once this season. The game went 83-74. Iowa victory. Uh, if that were the case tomorrow, that would be good enough to get another Iowa point spread cover. Yeah, and of course, the Hawkeyes uh, in scoring 112 against Northwestern were they 19 of 29 from three-point range. Ten different Hawkeyes. Hit a three-pointer in that game. But to beat Rutgers, they still got to 84, but only right. 7 of 22 from beyond the arc. It wasn't back-to-back three-point you know, uh, in, insanity uh, for Iowa. Mm-hmm. They were really good from two-point range and from the free-throw line to knock off the Scarlet Knights. Um, let's talk a little SEC basketball. Four again, semifinals. We have Texas A&M, the shocking Aggies, who've uh, 
making whoever's backing them a whole lot of money in recent weeks against Eric Musselman's Arkansas Razorbacks. And Arkansas has made their backers even more money. They're as hot a point spread team as there is in college basketball. And we've seen this from Musselman's teams before. We saw it right here in the great state of Nevada with the Wolfpack, how he turned... Uh, uh, how he got the maximum out of his Nevada teams this time of the year. Looks like he's doing it in Arkansas as well. Uh, first line I saw, Razorback six and a half and a buck 42, Arkansas versus a and Yeah, this is an interesting one. And again, you could probably apply what I said earlier about the Iowa-Indiana game, as far as situation goes, to this game as well. It's going to be A&M's third straight day. Another draining game for them as they beat Auburn. Um, and can they, do they have enough against a Arkansas team, which made a calculated assessment. You talked about Eric Musselman, and he made a calculated move mid to late January to turn this team's identity from 94 feet of full-court basketball to defense, defense, and more defense. And I think since that move, Teddy, where the metrics are concerned, they rank number three in the nation in defensive efficiency. They've just been so tough to score on. And Buzz Williams already has a smallish team to begin with. So it'll be a tough um, task here for them. But the first two have been tough tasks, right? They faced the height of Colin Castleton against Florida. They handled that. They faced the Twin Towers of Auburn today. And the one thing I'll say about this Auburn victory today, and Auburn only shot 30% from the field in that contest, and perhaps some of that's A&M defense, perhaps some of that is Auburn knowing that they're locked into the NCAA tournament already and not showing up with the proper focus and energy. We see that all the time at conference tournament time, which makes this, this simple portion of the year, these two and a half, three weeks, are a completely different handicap than the rest of the year because of stuff like this. I don't know how to really gauge the win that happened today for A&M, but I know this, the sense of urgency is there. They've covered six in a row. If they're getting enough tomorrow, maybe it's worth a take here. Um, but I would think Arkansas has better legs in the second half. This might be suited for in-game betting, TC, where you let the first half go and then figure A&M's legs to kind of wilt underneath them second half and maybe Arkansas pulls away. Um, just off the cuff, off the top of my head, first impression. I think that's the way I would lean here. One game played between these two very late January, 76-73 to Arkansas in that contest. Just a few minutes left here with Rob Vino. And, Rob, there's one more game uh, for Saturday early start action I want to get to, as well as I want to ask you for uh, any kind of a a bettable opinion you want to give us. Uh, So, Let's talk real quick St. Louis and Davidson. Wild game yesterday as the Billikens survive in advance uh, past the Bonnies, who many picked uh, to come out uh, of the A-10. That's obviously not going to be the case. Now they've been eliminated. They're taking on a Davidson team that just wiped them out 79-58 to when these two teams met uh, less than a month ago. That was on Davidson's home floor. Uh, I'm seeing Davidson minus one, minus one and a half total. Anywhere from 137.5 to 139.5 at the open. Any thoughts, St. Louis versus Davidson? Yeah, and they took care of St. Louis, did took care of the popular choice in the Atlantic 10 Conference because of how well St. Bonaventure had played down the stretch. St. Bonnie misses two free throws 
with one second left in the game. Down one, missed both free throws to lose that contest to St. Louis. Here they come um, against Davidson here. And whenever you play Davidson, Teddy, it's about how you defend the three because they shoot it so well. And St. Louis has performed pretty good in that area over the course of their last five games. Overall, they've been better at defending the three. So I think that's what it all comes down to here. But I would see, I think this is more of an offensive-type game than defensive. So for me, when listening to you say the opening numbers were 137.5 or 139, whatever it was you said, I feel like that might be a little low in this contest. St. Louis, more athletes able to get their own, and Davidson just pure shooters that can shoot St. Louis out of any defense they choose to play. Yeah, and in, in the global world, I saw 137.5. In the legalized, regulated U.S. sports books, including a uh, major one here in Nevada, I'm seeing 139.5 uh, for that total. And again, we're just talking about the openers here. I do expect these lines to move a fair bit between now and tip-off. Rob Vino, I want you to promote yourself. And I want you to give a bettable opinion of any sort uh, for uh, today on Saturday. Um, we got about, what, 60 seconds. So knock yourself out, my friend. All right. So very quickly, you can find my work at wagertalk.com. That's wagertalk.com. Go to that website, plug in your email address. You can become an instant member for all the free information, analysis on a daily basis through media and the written word. You can get it all each and every day, wagertalk.com. If you're interested in selection packages, mine are also there. Once again, wagertalk.com. Follow me on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports. As for a bettable opinion for today, Teddy, we talked about it just a couple of minutes ago. Let's roll with it. As I did the work, the more I kind of liked the play, and it could start everybody's day off happily here, the America East Championship game between Maryland, Baltimore County, and Vermont just shapes up as a high-scoring affair uh, on Vermont's home floor, no neutral floor, bad backgrounds to deal with here. I think this one gets up and over 42. It's done it twice. I don't see any reason why it doesn't do it a third time. I think both teams have edges offensively. So give me that one. Best bet. Vermont and Maryland, Baltimore County, over 142. Just the fact that you knew both of those team nicknames, Rob, is <laughs> all, uh, all you need to do to uh, ensure that our listening audience uh, understands your uh, authenticity. Uh, great stuff, as always, from Rob Vino. Really appreciate your time, my friend. And we'll talk again in the not-too-distant future. When we come back, yeah, I got a bettable opinion, too. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It With Teddy Covers. And listen, if you missed any portion of today's show, if you want to be able to download it and consume at your own convenience, please check out any and all podcast outlets. Just search Cover It With Teddy Covers wherever you download your podcasts. And you can download this show, tomorrow's show, or whatever show you want to download and consume at your convenience. If you want to go back for the archives, and again, I believe every show that I've ever done, getting back to the Super Bowl, not this past Super Bowl, the previous year's Super Bowl, you want to make fun of something I said a year and a half ago, knock yourself out. Uh, you can go and find every 
Cover It With Teddy Covers archived at simplecast.com. Again, just search Cover It With Teddy Covers. You can download and consume at your convenience. I want to give a bettable opinion for today's card. And again, we're just looking at the openers right here. But boy, I'm looking at Milwaukee in Golden State on Saturday night in the Bucks. Short road favorites, minus one. I even see a pick them out there right now as we record. I'm telling you, all right, the Warriors at the third of the way point through the season, they were as good as anybody in the NBA. I expected to see Golden State right there with Phoenix in the Western Conference Final. I think I even said it on this show. I'll be disappointed if I don't see Golden State and Phoenix play in the Western Conference Finals. Those are the two best teams. Well, that was then. This is now. Golden State, 27-6 and six start. 18 and 16 since. This is already going to be their seventh game in the month of March. They were on the fourth in six nights when they were in Denver the other night. And Milwaukee hasn't played since beating the Hawks on Wednesday. The first meeting between these two teams this year, Bucks 118-99. It wasn't that close. Milwaukee led by 16 after one. They led by 39, 77-38 at halftime. Sure, Golden State remembers. I'm not sure they can solve the problem. Give me the Bucks, short road favorites in Golden State. And there's your free bettable opinion for Saturday. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and my guest, Rob Bino, today on Cover It with Teddy Covers. We'll do it again tomorrow, same time, same channel. Till then, enjoy the games and good luck.